This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thanks for joining me in today's show. I'm talking with the everyday hunter, Kirk Yatris. Uh, it was actually a pretty good show. Uh, this was recorded some months ago uh, when I was in Queensland for the Christmas period. Uh, met up with Kirk uh, at a pub in, uh, I think it was north of Brisbane, and uh, we had something to eat. Obviously, discussion about firearms, and uh, pretty much did a show at the pub. So, so you might actually hear in the background, I think some parts, but there's a crying baby. Uh, so don't worry about that. I'm surprised actually how busy it was how little background noise actually got into the podcast. But it's uh, great to be in that sort of atmosphere, you know, not just recording interviews over the phone, uh, you know, doing them in person. I really, really like doing them in person. So uh, it was a really good show with Kirk. We talk about a lot of different things. The young guy, and uh, but certainly loves uh, his shooting as well. Uh, I thought I'd let you guys know we are also on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash AHP. What I'm going to be doing is releasing content and the podcast to all Patreon members uh, anywhere from two to seven days uh, prior to uh, the podcast actually going live. So if you want to go to patreon.com forward slash AHP, uh, become a Patreon uh, for just a couple of dollars a month, $5, $1. There's a couple of ones there to choose from. Uh, You know, it helps me out. I thought I'd let you guys know if you are on one of my donations for PayPal, cancel that. And actually go on Patreon. So go into your PayPal account, cancel that. Go to patreon.com forward slash AHP. Sign up there for the same amount. I think it's $5 a month. Most of my people on $5 a month that donate to the show. Uh, And that way, when I actually send out emails uh, from Patreon about podcasts going live, you will be able to listen to them and download them prior to anyone else. So patreon.com forward slash AHP. That'd be awesome to support the show. You know, that helps us get equipment. I just had a microphone just blow out on me too. So that's about three, $400, you know, to buy another one. It was my, it was my fault. I actually dropped it. So it's not, <laughs> wasn't if it was a faulty one. I just dropped it. So totally my fault. Uh, but these things happen. You know, I want to be able to travel to shows. Uh, I'm even thinking about traveling overseas too. And uh, as well as having uh, live chats, uh, I want to go to New Zealand. And I also want to try to hopefully go to the SHOT Show in Las Vegas one day as well. And uh, bring you that content as well would be awesome. So Patreon forward slash Patreon dot com forward slash AHP. And I really appreciate all the people that have already signed up to Patreon. Thank you. If you're on PayPal, as I said, cancel it. Jump over to the Patreon account. Uh, that way you can get the podcasts early as part of the benefits of the Patreon members. That'd be awesome. So you can also find us on the website, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au, iTunes. We're also up. Don't forget, jump on YouTube. If you like YouTube as well, which I do, I'm always on YouTube. We are uploading the podcast to YouTube as well. So jump on there. We're on Stitcher. Of course, you can always listen to them on the on the website, which is where a lot of people do. And as I said, on iTunes, people listen uh, to the show as well. Jump on the Facebook page. I think we're over 20,000 now on Facebook. We're over 42,000 downloads per month on the podcast the biggest podcast in the outdoor category on itunes bar none and uh it's all down to you guys listen to the show the content i'm getting lots of emails about the straight shooting podcast one of your favorites um we're going to be doing a shows coming up soon on bow hunting we're going to be doing quail hunting so we're going to go do a bit of the hunting stuff as well you know there's something for everyone so without further ado let's get into my interview with today's guest the everyday hunter with kirk yatris 
G'day everyone, this is Muzz, otherwise known as Aussie Freedom Fighter on YouTube, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a hunter, a fisher, and I love shooting, and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. All right, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. I'm here with Kirk Yatris. He's joining us here on the show. We're actually sitting here at the uh, Redcliffe, uh, in, in Redcliffe actually, at the Mon Como. What is it, like a, a bar? I guess eatery? What would you call it? Bistro? Oh, <laughs> Something no like that. Pub. And sort of. pub. So as you guys know, my family live here in Queensland, so normally when I come up, I do try and get out here to Queensland, interview people, and we're right in front of the water here, literally... People are staring at us because me and Kirk have got a couple of microphones, so uh, it's kind of interesting. So Kirk's joining us here to mate, have a chat about his, you know, his hunting, his shooting, or what he enjoys to do. So Kirk, mate, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, good to be here, Jason. No worries, man. Tell us about yourself, I guess. I want to find out about your family, yourself, obviously. You know, uh, How did you get into shooting, mate? Yeah, so my dad was always a shooter growing up. Um, you know, He had firearms and was into it all before the 96 buyback and the laws all changed. Uh, he was not... One of the shoes that was not particularly happy about that. Uh, as, as, as you know, most as, of us most pretty of us much weren't. all of us are. Um, True. So, yeah, growing up, taught me about firearm safety from a fairly young age, you know, which is probably a good thing, given we always had guns in the house. Uh, about when I was 10 years old, started going target shooting, that sort of stuff, with 22s, and did a bit of clay shooting as well, just with a 12-gauge shotgun. And then, you know, I sort of shot a bit throughout my teen years. Then I moved out of home when I finished high school, did a traineeship in Wagga Wagga in New South Wales for a couple of years. And when I came back to Brisbane, a good friend of mine took me pistol shooting because he had his Cat H. And I thought that was just awesome, like much better than uh, sitting at a bench plinking at 50 metres at a paper target. So I figured I'd finally get around to get my firearms licences. So I got the Cat AB H right from the start. And yeah, I've been shooting now for quite a number of years. Nice, man. So what, your dad was pretty big on it. Did he get you into it? Is that the reason you got into it? It was more, because everyone's always, I find, got that one point, haven't they, where they, and I know, I know what mine is, and most people have that point where, you know, they were enjoying, someone took them shooting, they took them hunting, whatever it may have been, and that's the part that hooked them. What was your part that sort of hooked oh, you yeah, prob- that moment? Probably the thing that really got me the most, like the first thing I ever had with firearms that I really, really enjoyed. Like, I enjoyed shooting 22s, but honestly, shooting clays with a shotgun, you know, when you get that reactive target, I found that just to be pretty fun you know i was only like 11 or 12 at the time so the 12 gauge pushed me around quite a bit uh, you still shoot clays now oh yeah definitely um i'm not you know super into clays mostly do handgun stuff now but i still do shoot them occasionally i'll bring out the uh adler with my 28 inch barrel on it and blast some clays with that yeah and you and you said your mum didn't have any problem with the boys getting into shooting oh no Dad my, getting into shooting no nah, so my mum has a um has a firearms license she's not a real big shooter or anything but yeah, you know, she definitely doesn't have an issue with it. <laughs> well, what's one of the major things, you know, when getting into the sport, I guess, what what do you like shooting, basically? What sort of disciplines? I mean, you said you like pistols. Just give us a round of all the things you enjoy doing in the firearms industry. Because I know me, it's, oh, there's a myriad of things I oh. enjoy doing. So, Yeah, well, look, I've got a couple of safes filled with guns and that, and I'm approaching, you know, the storage limits and that sort of stuff. So I, I shoot rifles, shotguns, pistols. I shoot heaps of different um, divisions in handguns so mostly though what I shoot with handguns would be IPSC production division that's sort of what I, I do the most of 
Yeah, what and what sort of? Um, okay, let's talk about pistols because I mean I got a pistol license too. Probably not my first love, as most people would know. But uh, you said IPSC, so well, let's talk about I guess types of pistols. What do you shoot? What do you enjoy? What do you own? What's your favourite pistol, etc. Okay, so favourite handgun would probably be my CZ Shadow. You know, they're just really nicely set up guns. Um, big fan of them, and yeah, I just really enjoy shooting that. But I've also got you know a couple of H and K USPs, um, different models, and I've got a. I've got a Glock 19 as well, which is actually, you know, the short barrel one. So I've got a, a longer barrel on that. Oh, the yeah, the Glock yeah, so 19. it's a compact frame. Yes, nice. So I got that just What's it like with the longer barrel? Um, what does it, it look like? Um, I'll, I'll have to give you a photo, but basically yeah. I've got an aftermarket lone wolf barrel that's ported in it to meet the length requirements. And so with the ported barrel, it's actually pretty flat shooting. And just to be a special snowflake, I'm going to be building that into a... IPSC open gun at some point when I have the money to get an aftermarket slide, trigger group, and all the rest for it. So you seem big on the mechanics of, not that I say use the term blinging it out, but you like sort of working on them, changing oh, yeah. them, you like adding things to them? Oh, definitely. I'm very big on um, doing a lot of home gunsmithing and that sort of stuff, if, if that's what you want to call it. Um, every one of my firearms, I think I've probably done some mods too when I, you know, work on them all myself. I, yeah, I don't. Apart from the stuff I can't do, like um, thread barrels and that sort of stuff, I'll do everything in-house. So probably more talk about... Cause I think in, it's a funny thing in New South Wales, it's always, there's always this weird thing about, oh, you can't work on your own firearms, you've got to get a, you know, a, a dealer and everything to do it. But, I mean, you're talking about more, you know, mods, uh, basic mods you can put on the gun, you know, stocks, um, you know, optics, those types of things, yeah? Um, Queensland's a bit different to New South Wales. Tell me. Good. I was sort of winking at you then. Yeah, you know, yeah. What's no. going on? Because I know in New South Wales, they can be very strict. Other states around Australia, you got if you want to do any work about it, you've yeah. actually got to, you know. So Queensland, basically, um, the way the law is set up is you can really do quite a lot with your firearms. The only restrictions where you need an armourer's licence comes in when you're actually doing it for a business. So if you w- start working on people's guns for money, you really need to get an armourer's licence because otherwise you're going to be in breach of the law. Um, so stuff I'll do, I'll switch out barrels, um, caliber conversions in Queensland need to be registered. Um, so I recently had my 7.6.15 swapped over to 300 blackout. Now that I could have done that myself, but to stay in compliant with the law, I had the gunsmith do the caliber conversion for me. Mate, what's, what's, um, gun ownership like here in Queensland? I mean, other like-minded people, do you think it's inclusive? What do you think about that? Oh yeah, I think. I think in Queensland we've got a pretty good culture, um, and the laws up here are a bit better than most of the other states. So they're better than New South Wales, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're just at Cleavers. We were. We were. Jason's free plug for Cleavers. I think. Look at <laughs> yeah, <laughs> looking at all the um, collapsible Magpul stocks and amazing. magazines and stuff. That's all banned in New South Wales, and that's actually not a bad gun shop, is it? It actually looks pretty good. A very westernised style oh, feel to it. Yeah, it's very um, it's quite nicely set up, especially their new store, which well, it's not really new anymore. They've had it open for quite a few years, but it's got a pretty good feel to it. Just filled with awesome pieces of kit. Um, a lot of it, you know, not accessible to people without special licenses like us. I know. I've also noticed there was quite a lot of uh, accessories in there. I mean, even the amount of pills they've got, you know, the the reloading equipment, stuff like that. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? Oh yeah, they got they've got a huge amount of gear, like. I was just thinking, I can only imagine how much actual gear they have in there, eh? Like, how, much, how many... It's got to be millions of dollars worth of stock in there. It's just you walk in there, you just think, imagine if I could just walk out here with everything and not have to pay, it'd be fantastic. Oh, yeah, they've got all the um, their Cat D... They've got a heap of Cat D and R firearms up on the wall, like really sort of cool collector's pieces. So they've got, you know, a brand machine gun up there and stuff. They'd have a million bucks on the wall, easy. 
Unbelievable, unbelievable. So what else do you enjoy? You said you like pistols. You said IPSC. What is it about IPSC that uh, you enjoy shooting? Oh, I've got to be the fire and movement sort of aspect of it. So I've always enjoyed um, the more active forms of shooting. So I don't mind, you know, sitting back and plugging a paper at 100 or 200 metres, but I definitely prefer running around and, you know, doing a bit of a running gun sort of thing. Um, what about three gun? If you're interested in three gun, if that came available oh. and they had... You know, like semi-autos. Have you seen Keanu Reeves on uh, YouTube yeah. running yeah, around? He's actually not bad. Like, always been a big fan of Keanu. I mean, he's actually not bad with a firearm too. Yeah, I've seen that video you're talking about. He's really, really hammers it there. He's pretty awesome. Um, That's something you'd be interested in? Oh, definitely. Like, even when we get three gun up in Australia, just without, even without semi-autos, it's something that I'll be pretty keen to get involved in. Um, just using, you know, the 7.6.15s, WFA1s and the lever-action shotguns like the 1887s and the Adlers. You know, that's something I'm keen on. Uh, what about Adlers? Did you buy an Adler? Did you have, do you have an Adler? Yeah, so I've got, um, I've got three lever-action shotguns. Nice. I had a 1887 before the Adler thing came about, you know, the, the two ammunitions one apparently. Yeah, I swear yeah. it holds seven. But it holds seven ammunitions. Yeah, seven <laughs> ammunitions, not two. but you know. Unbelievable, isn't it? Um, so I had that. They're a bit of a pig of a gun, though. Um, it was always real fussy on ammo and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I had the 18... Uh, was it the... Sh- no, it wasn't the Sharp. What was the cheaper one? What was the IAC, cheaper one? IAC. That's the one I've the got. The IAC, yeah. And I, I think it was a bit of an impulsive buy because when I first bought it, I think, oh, this could be great, you know, using it out of the back of a vehicle, maybe chasing pigs on a, on a bike, uh, that type of thing, which, you know, none of that hunting I ever do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm thinking, why did I buy this gun? I ended up selling it. It did have a problem with certain brass. It was heavy. Um, but I'm interested to find out too if you've we're seeing some of these, especially in New South Wales, they're just starting to land now. I think, and I think James Buckle from Firearms Owners United, who you have, uh, uh, you help them out in their page as well, part of the crew, um, is getting one of those straight pull shotguns. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they go because I know there's a lot of people trying to you know not say too much about it just to, for fear of you know something happening and they're getting banned or moved to a Category D firearms. So I wonder how they're going to go if they're going to like. I think that will be faster, I think, because, just from my opinion, but if, if they're actually mechanically good, they might not be too bad. Oh, I think they'll be um, quite good shotguns, especially at the prices they're coming in. Like, you're talking a $700 shotgun, you know, that with that doesn't get you much when you go to double barrels and that sort of stuff, but these straight pulls, it seems to buy you a half-decent gun. Yeah, I always wonder about the pricing, and, uh, you know, I had a, as people, some people know, I bought a side-by-side shotgun, one of the cheaper brands, I thought it was going to be great. Fit was fantastic. Finish was good, in my opinion. But just mechanically, it was just a dud. It was just a dud. I don't know what happened to it. And eventually, uh, the, the importer eventually ended up refunding my money. So half my luck, I guess. And I'm not really cheaper on, on cheaper guns these days. I mean, middle of the range, I think you start to do well. I know everyone's got different budgets, which I agree. And I always say spend as much as you can for what you can afford. You know, is, is always you know, a better option than buying some of the cheaper stuff. But then again, I've got cheap guys that have got cheap stuff. They've never missed a beat. Guys have got Adlers that are smooth as, never had a problem, no dramas. Yet other people are having, you know, crack four grips, etc. There's all different issues. Yeah, so with, with my Adler, I was on basically first shipment. Um, I actually pre-ordered about 15 minutes after the dealer started sending emails that they were going to allow pre-orders. I'd actually followed this shotgun before Niowa picked it up or anything because um, I saw when they released it at the trade show in Germany. And I've been following it since then, waiting for it to come into the country. I wonder if the Germans are buying it. I thought these guns were specifically because most other countries, you can't have semi-automatic weapons, so they don't really, they're not really a big seller in other countries. I mean, why would, like, just like the Adler, Adler going to Category D, why would you buy an Adler if you can just buy a semi-automatic shotgun? Oh. Uh, up to 10 rounds, depends on what state you're in, up to 10 rounds, or a 
you know, pump shotgun as well. Why would I buy an Adler? I'd buy like an 870 or something like that. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even get why you get a Cat D shotgun. Just that's me personally. I'd much rather go, well, in Queensland here, you're limited basically if you've got a Cat D license to, I think, one or two Cat D firearms. So I don't know why you're going to go a shotgun when you could go, you know, I'm going to get an AR-15 and get a 30-round magazine for it. Interesting, because uh, in New South Wales, which is normally sometimes not the best state for firearms laws, uh, we can have as many Cat Ds as we want. Go figure. Yeah, so I know the uh, nice. Sydney, Sydney Militia, he's got, uh, he's got four Cat Ds. So I guess at that point, you know, it makes sense to get your Cat D870. But <laughs> Just not the first four, you think? <laughs> well, for the fourth one, sure. Why not? But um, when, when you're limited to the one or two, I think a rifle's probably going to be a, a lot more suitable for any sort of work you're doing as a Cat D. But that's just my view, of, obviously. You know, every shooter's different, and if they'll just plug in ducks endlessly or something, then sure. Mate, what about hunting? Any hunting? Are you do any hunting? Are you getting any hunting opportunities? I know you're sitting up here now, and I come here every Christmas. Family live here. It's quite hot. It's quite humid. Must be tough getting out in the summertime to sort of to do any hunting. Probably winter, in my opinion, would be the best. Do you ever do, you ever do any hunting or not really? Or um, Yeah, I, I get into hunting um, when I can. Winter's definitely the uh, time of year to do it to some extent. Um, Queensland, in Queensland, you know, it's pretty warm and humid, but fairly used to it. Um, the summer heat in some aspects does make it easier though because if there's not much water around well you know where everything's going to be because it's 45 degrees out west very low humidity um, in the western areas so everything's trying to drink desperately so you know where all the game's going to be yeah exactly any specific game you like hunting in particular um i'll take anything and everything i haven't gone on a deer hunt yet Um, that's something i want to get into we don't have much great deer hunting up here in queensland we do in New South Wales, but I'm just not good at hunting them. So yeah, <laughs> I just never, I can never seem to get one. Or I've had an, a, a few opportunities, but uh, I've always, you know, either failed to bring it off or something like that, or you know, failed to. Get, you know, I never actually had a shot. Well, I did have one shot on one particular, a small one, uh, but unfortunately, I missed. And uh, what do you do? I guess but that's hunting, isn't it? it? Was hunting wouldn't be called hunting if it was easy. Oh yeah, it's definitely a case of potluck. I've definitely spent, you know, uh, last trip I went, spent six hours walking around. What was perfect pig territory out at Charleville. You know, approach from downwind, we saw where they'd eaten some um, carcasses of some, like, um, smaller roos that they'd killed and just tore them to pieces, heaps of tracks. Walked through these swamps following the tracks for hours. They should have been resting or something, but no, couldn't find them. Just completely nothing. Couldn't find them. Yeah, ended up stumbling across some goats, though. Oh, you don't shoot some goats? Yeah, so one of the pig's tracks we saw was actually pretty significant and i was sort of like mm, two two threes make me feel a bit nervous because we can accidentally corner the thing or something so my mate had a 375 h&h ruger number one with him and i was just like you mind if i just uh, borrow that <laughs> and what happened then Did you get him yeah so i ended up um basically because i wasn't familiar with his number one i stuffed up my sight picture on the first goat as we came up on him because we'd snuck up and threw it over his shoulder basically i aligned the front sight with the wrong part of the rear sight I realised the second I'd done it, what I'd done. Um, so Ram went over his shoulder. And he, you know, they all obviously fled at great speed. And so quickly reloaded the number one and uh, took up a new position. And um, one of the goats was just running full pelt. And, yeah, just lined him up nicely and smacked him over. And, you know, on a medium-sized goat, the 375 H&H, puts them down pretty hard. Very hard. I mean, sometimes I know guys that shoot them with um, 223s, 250s, and they just drop on the spot. So 375 would have, would have been. What distance do you think? Uh, about 15 metres. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we snuck right up on I've them. I've shot them with a uh, 7 mil 08 before, just one, 120s and 140s, I think. And, yeah, like at 80 metres, and it hasn't even – it's still just flying along, even at 80 metres, straight through. Um, sometimes probably not the best high calibre. Something maybe, maybe a big billy, those heavy calibres or heavier calibres. But, I mean, 375, that's, that's a whole different kettle of fish, isn't it? That's a whole oh, new level. Yeah, you know, it, it's good – you know, minimum calibre to shoot elephants in most of Africa. So you can imagine it's fairly decent. Um, he did a front decent on the, on the uh, thin skin goats. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did basically a front flip, hit the ground, and the en- the entry hole was about an inch, and the exit hole was you know a foot and a half. It was just brutal. If you had to pick, you know, let's say one animal that you'd like either like, a like to hunt or your favourite. Do you have any favourites? I mean, you oh, know. you know. Um, Hard to say what would be my favorite. Honestly, I like rabbits are really fun. You get, you know, shooting rabbits is, yeah, I, I quite enjoy that. And um, it's probably heresy to a few people, but, yeah, I'd have to say probably rabbits. Yeah, no, do you, what are you shooting with, just a standard 22? Um, do you end up eating them, not really, or more yeah, just for I, pest I, control? Or? I quite enjoy taste of rabbits, so I'll eat them. Um, cook them into a stew. Or I want to try frying them at some point as well. I haven't done yeah. that yet. Um, I've tried them crumbing them. Sometimes it'll be hit and miss depending on how you cook them, how long. If you go too overboard sometimes it just turns into like rubbery KFC but not, not in the good kind. So it depends on how you, how you actually treat them beforehand, how long you cook them. But I've had some good, pretty good results uh, you know, cooking rabbits. So. Yeah. So the other thing I'll generally use on rabbits is um, occasionally I'll use the Adler with um, BB shot and that's actually fairly effective. Do they go all the way through, or when you actually have you had to eat them, do you get any pellets in there? Um, most of the pellets that go all the way through, when you're cutting them up and that sort of stuff, you might you can see where the pellets are. Essentially, you'll see a little exit hole, and yeah, just get in there and pull out the occasional pellet, but most of them punch through. So what would you shoot most of, mate? Like, you shoot mostly pistols, would you say? Or you said you do a bit of clay target. What about rifle shooting, target shooting? Not really. More plinking, you know, say, on a property or out somewhere or at the range, or...? Oh, yeah, I'm, mostly I would shoot at the range, and mostly I shoot my pistols, um, especially with the mandatory shoots you have to do. You know, I've got all four classes of pistols that you can have in the show, so air pistol, a twenty two, centerfire less than 38, and centerfire over 38. So I have to do 16 shoots a year, so I'm constantly at the range shooting. Uh, i tell you what, though, if you, yeah, I mean, you know, your missus might not be too happy after a while if you're going to be at the range all the time more than 16 times a year. Yeah, she's um she's pretty accepting of it, I guess. Um, I've been like this, you know, pretty much since we met, thankfully. So, what does she think about it, just in general? She don't mind, you know, the 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 hunting, the shooting, the gun ownership, or yeah. So uh, she, as a kid, was you know shooting on a parent's property, not a parents' property, a, a friend of her parents' property, just like twenty twos at cans and that sort of stuff, but never really did much. Um, when we met, I took her shooting a few times, and she's got her license now. Um, she won't go to the range by herself or anything, but we got her a license just because it makes the legalities a lot easier if we're tr- going on a hunting, camping trip together or, you know, so she can have access to the rifles on our rural property that we live on. Um, when you go away, does she normally come with you? Does she don't mind or she sort of stays home if you go anywhere or anything like that? Or does she come, you know, escort you to the range and that sort of thing? Or? Oh, she's come to the range with me a few times, come watch me shoot in IPSC comps as well. Um, she likes She likes camping especially. So she's always pretty happy to come out on some of the trips. Um, obviously, some of the trips are more boys' trips than, you know, bringing your partner along. But, yeah, when, um, when it's not that, she's always pretty stoked to come along. What about IPSC? Do you actually shoot pretty good at IPSC? What, is it gradings? I don't even know these days. Uh, like, okay. I just, I just oh, shoot it for a bit man. of fun, you know. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not a good shot. Well, I'm, okay, I'm not going to say I'm not a, a 
bad shot or anything, but when you start shooting comps, you find out that you are not a good shot. <laughs> Compared to other people. Oh, yeah. Like, you shoot against these guys that shoot at international comps, and they stomp you mercilessly. So, you know, what's, what it, what's it, is. it like when you get get demoralised by someone that's like that first time? See, I shoot actually, I uh, do some competitive clay target shooting sometimes. And man, there's some really good shooters. And you know, I remember the first time I went, and I'd been shooting for years before I sort of went into a comp. And then, you know, they're like, oh, you're not really, you're not really, uh, you know, D, C or D grade here. You, you probably should be going up to maybe a B, if not maybe an A grade. I'm like, oh, is that, you know, because people started to think, you know, like I purposely did that or I've undergraded myself as a man. The first one I've shot, I haven't shot one for a couple of years. Give me a break, you know? Yeah, well, I wish I had that experience. Um, well, what, what was your first experience like? Oh, definitely um, got a bit nervous as well. And like, you know, stuff, shots that I'd easily be able to make when I'm not nervous. And that when I don't feel any pressure, just all turned to crap on me for my first comp. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, what else was I going to ask you today? What else is exciting, man? What else do you enjoy? I mean, you said, um, you know, shooting comps. Um, you know, what else do you enjoy, mate? What else do you enjoy with firearms? What is it to you that keeps you coming back? I mean, why do we... And I, sometimes I didn't even know the reason why. Why do we love guns so much? Well, it's hard to say why I enjoy what I do, you know? Like, why do car people like cars? I, I don't know. Oh, I like guns. They might say they look good, you know, the engine, oh, yeah. the rev of the engine. Some people like gunpowder, I guess. They yeah, like. some things I like the history of. So I've got a couple of old war rifles, like an SMLE. I've got a Mosin Nagant. I've got a Schmidt and Rubin. Um, so I definitely like some some of the historical aspects as well. And I just like I like shooting. Um, I like I like working on guns. Just like just like them. If you had to pick, say your favorite favorite firearm, which one would it be? You added the light. You, know, you got to pick one. Everyone's okay. Oh, give me your top two. No, give me I, your top two. You got to give me the top two. God, that that's too hard a question, mate. Like, oh, come top on, two. top two. Um, okay, CZ Shadow's going to be up there, and I have used an AR fifteen, so that's going to be up there as well. Yeah, no, but I'm talking, well, now. Okay, that's that. But now but ones that you own. One, ones that I own. Um, so probably once again, CZ Shadow is going to be up there, and I'm the same. My Ruger Charger. Because that, that's a really fun little piece of kit. Yeah, I've seen them. I've seen guys, and they look, they look like a lot of fun. What, what is it, basically a ten twenty two, just in a, a different sort of stock or a mid-stock when you first buy them, I think? I've seen them. Yeah, so they come, they're, they're quite literally a Ruger ten twenty two that Ruger's built at, up from the ground up as a pistol. They call it the Ruger Charger. They come in a little pistol grip stock, and they look like a cut-down rifle, because essentially well, they are, you know, just from the factory. Mate, what's the what's the plan for your future? Is there anything else you want to get into in particular? Any sort of other disciplines you want to get into? Something you haven't tried yet or anything like that? Um, I'm currently getting my collector's license so I can get some of the more historical things. Um, collector's licenses in Queensland, I'm not so sure about the other states, lets you collect Category C shock, called Category C firearms. So I was looking to get some Category C shotguns as well under that. Now you can't shoot them, but you know I do genuinely just like owning them and having them around. Kirk, mate, tell us about Firearms Owners United. You know, you've got the shirt on there, and we're at the pub here, and no doubt uh, you're sporting the Firearms Owners United t-shirt. Yeah, so um, I joined the Firearm Owners United group, like the actual management of the group, um, earlier this year, started this year. And yeah, it's been pretty good to get involved with. So I'm one of the Queensland state reps for Firearms Owners United. Yeah, what do you want to know? So, yeah, so what are they? What, what do you want to do? How they? How is firearms owners united here in Queensland? What, what do you? What do they expect you to do? You're going to represent firearms owners when opportunities arise. What generally? Do, what's what's your role within firearms owners united? Oh, we're definitely you know pushing um, a lot of politics and that sort of stuff. Contacting ministers. Now we've actually in Queensland we've got a uh, police minister that isn't from all appearances to be an outright moron. Um, Bill Byrne was probably. 
you know, I'm going to call him an idiot, is just a shocker. Um, and his predecessor, Joanne Miller, she was even worse. Like, you know, she set the lowest of bars for police ministers you could possibly imagine. You guys have had so many policemen. You had Joanne Miller, then you had Bill Byrne. Who's after that now? Who's now? Uh, so currently, young guy. Yeah, young, young guy, Mark Ryan. Um, Mark Ryan, that's it. I haven't had any contact with him at this point. Um, in the new year, going to try to get a meeting with him, that sort of stuff, which should be good. Um, he seems more reasonable on on the front, on the face of things. So hopefully, hopefully we'll um, be able to get some, you know, reasonable discussions. I know you guys have had a terrible time with police ministers. I mean, Bill Byrne, you know, what it was, he was shooting rats in his roof and then and then yep. pretty, pretty much proceeded to say that, you know, farmers shouldn't be able to use, you know, handguns to cull pests on their own property, which is, as far as I'm aware, always been the case in Queensland, was trying to put an end to that. So... I mean, hopefully this new guy, you guys get some great results from this new police minister. But I also want to wonder what's going to happen, especially with the federal, or sorry, the states have got on board, COAG have got on board to put the Adelaide to Category D, and the LNPs, well, now they are at this stage, are putting a bit of, uh, what would you say, a bit of a stick in the works at the moment and threatening not to support it. Bob Catter said he's not going to support it. The only problem is if Labor and the LNP actually support it, we've got no chance Bob Catter's not going to make a difference anyway. Yeah. Uh, and neither are the rest of the reps for the Australia Party, Catter's Australia Party. So how do you reckon we're going to go? Do you reckon the LNP, Tim Nichols, do you reckon he'll buckle? Oh. Not, not James Buckle from Firehouse yes. Owners United. Will he buckle in regards to stepping down? Because we know Labor have already put an ad on their page I saw the other day. Don't you know, risk you know, Queensland safety with these gun laws. Um, how do you reckon Tim Nichols is going to go? Yeah, well, um, it'll be interesting to see. So the Queensland LNP his- historically has been probably one of the more, like I hate to use the word LNP or Liberal Party and pro-firearms, in the same sentence because they're really not but as far as compared to all the other states liberal branches they're probably one of the best ones to be frank um we've been fairly fortunate with that in that matter the queensland labor government for those that don't know is a minority government in queensland they don't have enough numbers to outright ram um to ram any changes through so what they'll do if they go to change the adler is they'll move a they'll change the regulation the weapons categories regulations in queensland and then Bob Catter or the LNP, it'll probably be Bob realistically, will introduce a disallowance motion in the House of Representatives to um, basically disallow that change to the regulations. And if that gets the majority vote, if the LNP vote for it, and um, I can't remember if anyone else needs to, then they'll disallow the regulations. And there's essentially nothing from that point the Labor government can do other than, you know, run political attack ads and that sort of stuff. Can you imagine if that happened, if the uh, LNP went against, there was a disallow- disallowance motion and actually went through? This would be huge for shooters. That means all the rest of the states, they need to be uniform. So if well, Queensland stops it, that means the rest of them won't go through with it as well. Well, maybe, potentially. We could see the rest go through if it in Queensland just doesn't. Um, you know, well, as much as they like to call these uniform firearm laws, they're not. You know, we were in Cleavers today earlier, and there's so much stuff in there that you, I can own in Queensland, you can't own in New South Wales. You know, like the Rossi Circuit Judge, that's one area where the laws aren't uniform. Sporting shooters in Western Australia can get Category C shotguns, and people can get pepper spray over there as well. Once again, just another area where it's not uniform. Now, a lot of people were having good results. A lot of people were actually saying good things about the Newman government, whilst the Newman government was doing some very interesting things otherwise in regards to... Uh, different laws, they actually would seem to be reducing red tape for firearms. That is now, I don't vote for them, never would, but uh, based on 1996 just alone, couldn't do it, can never do it. But in saying that, you know, they, he did seem to be actively trying to you know, reduce red tape for firearms owners from what we could see. Now it's sort of gone a bit backwards under that uh, Labor government. 
Yeah, unfortunately, that is pretty much the case. Um, under the Newman government, we saw some pretty good um, improvements in regulations and that sort of stuff, and a lot of the back-end stuff. So we moved from a paper-based system with weapons licensing to an online system, and they got rid of the 28-day subsequent wait on um, subsequent firearms. So if you have a Category B firearm now, but prior to the Newman government, you had to wait 28 days to get another Category B firearm to get a PDA issued to, just mandatory waiting time. Whereas now, if you've got a Category B firearm, you put in the PTA, you'll get it, you know, later that week. Still not as good as Victoria, but, you know, better than where we and were. And you've also got this swap over as well. If you want to get rid of a firearm, haven't you? You swap over, so which I don't know how often people would use that. But, I mean, if you've got an old shotgun, you want to replace it, don't need a PTA, take it in. You can just get one straight over the counter, as far as I'm aware. And in your choice, as long as it's the same caliber, I think, if that's correct. Yeah, same caliber, same category, same action. So, like, you could swap over your old you know, break-action air rifle that's flogged out for a brand-new one. Um, I've never used it. I've never sold a gun. Probably ever wanted. You've never sold a gun? Can't bring myself to do it. Really? Uh, Are you sentimental like that? Because I had a friend the other day I was talking to. Now, I'm a bit... Some I do, some I don't. And I've only really got one firearm that I still had from when I first started my career, you might say, in firearms ownership. Uh, I've still got a two two three. But the interesting part is a lot of people say that they, they really sentimental with firearms and i said well if i'm selling one to get another one i'm generally not but or if i'm not using it that much sometimes i can go oh you know realistically could i take this three grand and i'm I'm sitting on a firearm that i rarely ever use once a year do you so you've never sold one i can't believe that yeah and i've got a few as well so far out why um, just would would you ever sell one or you just don't think hard to say if i moved overseas i'd probably sell up pretty much everything um because moving guns overseas is a, a nightmare, essentially. Uh, but other than that, probably not. Where would you move if you could move somewhere, like you say, better, what, for better firearms? Okay. Laws, you mean, or? Yeah, so three countries come to mind. Um, New Zealand's the easiest, obviously, you know, or the immigration over there is easy. Just jobs suck in New Zealand. That's right. No visa required. Yeah. We might start infiltrating their country for a change. What do you reckon? Yeah, that'd be all right. Um, I'm actually, I can I can get a UK citizenship, so although, even though they're leaving the EU now, I, I used to be able to essentially... Well, still could at this point get a job over in the EU, so probably Czech Republic. I'd have to learn the language, but I reckon that'd be a pretty cool place to live. Um, or, of course, you know, the ubiquitous United States of America. Which one would be your first preference? Probably USA um, or Czech Republic would be the first two, really. Nice. I was talking a bit about politics, which is always interesting amongst different people. You know, so you don't have to tell us if you don't want to. You can if you want. Do you vote for a pro-gun party for one, or do you vote for the two majors and... If you want, you can share if you, you, know, you want to tell us who you do vote for if you want, and we'll ask a few questions in regards yeah. to that particular party. I'll, if I didn't vote for a program party, being a pretty program person, I'd probably hang myself, to be honest. Like, geez, <laughs> hey, like, you'd be surprised. A lot oh, of no, shooters no, still no. vote for Some... Labor, still vote for the LNP. You saw at the election, we had over yeah, like 500,000 shooters that did not vote for a program party. Yeah, and it's always pretty disappointing to, to see that sort of stuff, and especially in Australia, though. Like, even if you do prefer, say, the LNP and you want to see them, or Labor or whatever, win win the election. Because we have, you know, preferential voting in Australia, you can still preference your vote that way. So you could still vote the program party. And if they don't get in, then maybe you put the LNP further down the list over Labor, and that way your vote still counts in that regard. So I vote uh, LDP, and I'll obviously I then put the SFFP and Cadiz Australia Party as well fairly high up in my preferences. The Australian Hunting Podcast is the only hunting, shooting and fishing podcast radio show in Australia. 
With over 40,000 downloads per month, you are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing, and a little bit of politics, the Australian Hunting Podcast has you covered. To listen, check us out in iTunes and visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Looking for a big weekend? Australia's biggest sport shooting and outdoor event, the SSAA Shot Expo, is now even bigger. With hunting gear and outdoor equipment from the world's biggest names, plus demonstrations, talks and entertainment for the whole family. Over 150 displays, one location, the SSAA Shot Expo. Melbourne Showgrounds, May 20th and 21st. Book online or pay on the day. Visit shotexpo.com.au for sponsors and the full program. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. So give us, mate, tell us, I want to find out from you about the LDP. Let's talk about... Let's go to the negative part first. What are they What are they not doing good and what can they do oh, better? I think the LDP, from a political point of view, their relationship and the way they sell themselves to the public and build their profile sort of needs to be improved a bit. Now, that's obviously a very hard task, but a lot of people still don't know who they are. And I reckon there's a lot of potential voters out there who would find that their values actually agree with the LDPs, but simply don't know they exist. Yep, so what do you say? So is that the only thing you think of? Like more their, you know, to get themselves out there, they're more their media, you think? Because, I mean, there was a big, huge push, I guess, for, before the federal election again re-elected. I mean, you saw Bob Day was re-elected. Unfortunately, he's gone due to, you know, a bankrupt business. So they had sort of had a, have an alliance. And the obviously the makeup now of the Senate is quite different. Crossbenches is quite different than what it was. Turnbull thought he was going to get a better crossbench. Well, now look what he's being given now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think... Ter- I th- there's a bit of a conspiracy theorist in me that says that they knew the double dissolution without the change in, well, with the change of preference systems was probably going to give them what they got. Um, but it'll be the next election and the one after where they really purge a lot of the crossbench. Unfortunately, I think they're playing a longer game. I don't know. I mean, Tasmanians seem to think, you know, Jackie Lambie seems to be okay. They keep voting for her. I don't know why Darren Hinch got in. I mean, people of Victoria, I don't know what's going on down in Victoria. They thought Darren Hinch was actually going to be a good candidate. Oh. You know, you've got Greeny, Nick Xenophon, etc. you know, his team. You know, you've got the Greens as well. But, I mean, it was interesting actually last year, especially with the, the Adler, uh, to allow, you know, when David Lighthill put his bill forward to allow the importation of the Adler. There was not many people that actually voted for us. So I think it was only two from the Nationals who crossed the floor, Bridget McKenzie. I can't remember who the other person was, to be honest, but uh, there was the, obviously the One Nation people, David Lionhelm as well. So, I mean, that's not bad to start with. I mean, it's not bad we're actually getting more support than we probably would have under this crossbench than the, the, the older you know, crossbench senators that were in before. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that like party lines are drawn pretty clearly in Australian politics, and it's pretty unusual to get senators crossing the floor like that. So Bridget McKenzie and, um, oh, I can't remember the other bloke's name, tip of my tongue sort of thing. Yeah, I can't remember. But, like, um, I'm not sure if it's John Williams, but I think John Williams is in yeah, New South Wales. But I can't remember I who it is. It. I'm not um, sure who it is, actually. But, um, but Yeah, so them crossing the floor was, you know, that definitely sends a message. As far as, like, Jackie Lambie goes, I, I, 
I'm genuinely confused as of to what people see in her as a politician. Hey, they always say people in Tasmania are kind of funny down there, so... <laughs> yeah, I've been down got, there once. Um, six fingers and six toes. Yep, six fingers, six toes, six heads. <laughs> or two heads. Two heads. Uh, but okay, on the flip side, let's talk about the LDP. On the flip side, what are they doing good, in your opinion? Um, yeah, definitely David Linehelm is... I think he's pretty good value. He's managing to get a lot of good media coverage for the LDP. Um, I'm, I'm, that media coverage, though, is really focused on, I guess, your more concentrated political um, But do, do, do you think he's been good? I mean, I've always watched him. He's very forward. And there's one thing I do like about David. He's actually been very forward about gun laws. I listened to him four years ago, pretty much before he took office, obviously. And he said the exact same things all the way through, and still thinks the same thing today, which I think is pretty pretty good in my opinion. He hasn't changed. He hasn't wavered from his opinion. You know, sometimes some negative publicity that he's received hasn't yeah. wavered him from his position. So that that's something the LDP does definitely do is they have their positions, and they don't really ever cha- they haven't changed from their positions. You know, being a libertarian party, they essentially have their philosophy and. You know, you can you can like it and vote for them, or you can dislike it and not vote for them, but they're not going to change to please people. It's amazing, isn't it, how more freedom and some of the stuff I read on Facebook, obviously I get a lot of screenshots for the show that I normally read out and stuff like that, and the amount of people that don't agree with this sort of philosophy, I mean, how could you not more freedom for people, people to go about their business without anyone else getting into their business, about undue hindrance and undue red tape from government in regards to... You know, people's hobbies, you know, interests. I mean, he's got to fight stuff like, I mean, it's not shooting related, but like e-cigarettes or vaping and that. And the government wants to stop that, you know, but you're happy to sell people cigarettes and stuff. And, just, and people are actually on there going, yeah, yeah, they should be banning these things. You know, like it's ridiculous. We saw uh, a massive uh, issue, probably what, just, just this week on the show. This is, what are we, coming to the end of December 2016. And there was a big mess made in Coogee, right, from all these people that were drinking. It's all over Facebook. It's a massive mess. Instead of blaming the the promoters or you know, issuing a fine to someone that was obviously promoting the event, what do they do? Oh, no one can drink on here anymore. That's it. So everybody, again, has to suffer. Sounds all too familiar oh. uh, like gun laws, doesn't it, it really? Yeah, it's a common theme in Australia, and it's not just firearms. You know, you see the breed-specific legislation, the fireworks bans, the complete zero-tolerance things we get with motor vehicles and all this sort of stuff. And it just seems to be essentially like a default colonial Australian response is, you know, some people can't handle a bit of freedom or responsibility. So, you know what? Ban it for everyone. It's just the typical response we see in this country. Mate, What I'm surprised a lot of people here have a really strong allegiance to Bob Catter. So why did you not vote for Bob Catter? Over, or so why did you not vote for Bob Catter and ultimately chosen the LDP? Um, well, so, yeah, Bob definitely gets high up on my um, preference list. Some of his other politics, of, apart from the firearms, issue don't really correspond too well with my own personal politics. That said, um, from a Firearm Owners United perspective, we are apolitical. Okay, We don't s- support any party more than another other than based upon their firearms issues. So that's the only criteria we assess them on. Let's talk about the two other parties, and I guess the main ones, well, let's go three probably here in Queensland, I guess you might say, would be obviously Shooters and Fishers, you've got Bob Catter. And probably to a certain extent as well, One Nation as well. That's going to be very interesting. They've got, what, four or three now senators now. Uh, and you've got your election not too far off, I guess, next year. So uh, what do you think is going to happen with Queensland politics, say, over the next you know, three to six months up until your upcoming election? And what are, what are those, t- those other pro-gun parties? Do, do you like them? Are they get high on your preference list? Why are they not your number one? What are, they, what are they doing good and what are they doing not so good? 
Well, you know, I think, unfortunately, you know, and it is, in my opinion, just the New South Wales branch of the SFFP have, you know, probably, I think I quite have a lot of respect for the Victorian and West Australian branches, and I've got to put that out there. Um, unfortunately, and I used to be a big fan of the New South Wales branch, don't get me wrong, but I think some of their statements, and we all know what those are in recent times, have really let down the side, especially when they're not getting pushed to make these sorts of claims, but they just go out and say them anyway. Um, it's pretty disappointing. So, On the flip side, what are they doing good, though, the, the SFA? What are they doing good? Oh, well, um, so some people may be aware that in Western Australia there's looking to be a trial of public land hunting. Yeah, and, um, that was from Rick well, Mazza. Rick Mazza yeah. seems to be doing a pretty good job over there in WA. Bloody damn good job. And well, you've got to be honest, that would never have happened without him in in that party and that's somewhere where the um, New South Wales FFFP have also I think pulled their weight is um, you know securing hunting rights in state forests and that sort of thing that's definitely um, a positive to them I actually have a New South Wales R license so I can go hunting in state forests down there I don't use it a whole heap because so many of my guns are illegal in New South Wales <laughs> we can't even have the we can't have the Ruger Precision we can't have the Rossi Circuit Judge I mean, it's just pathetic, isn't it, really? Yeah, I've been told my um, my Ticker T3, because it's in the MDT TAC-21 chassis, is probably illegal down there. My 7.615 is, because it's got a collapsible stock and the barrel on it at the moment. It's only 13 inches long. Oh, yeah, no, definitely illegal in New South Wales. That three inches on that barrel, mate, that becomes concealable. You can just put it down your pants now, you know, the, yeah, that it's extra still, three inches. It's still, like, you know, 90 centimetres long, but, yeah. Mate, what, what about Cato? You were saying about Cato. Obviously, you weren't happy with his other policies, but the story's firearms policy, which I think he did release one, what, about four or five years ago, I think it would have been, about you know, semi-auto 22s on cats, uh, Cat B or A. Not sure which one it was now that I think about it. I don't have the you know, information with me, but what do you like about his in regards to firearms? I mean, up here, he seems to be wanting to put a, you know, a massive dent in the you know, plans to move the Adler to the Category D. A classification, so what do you think? I mean, hopefully he can be able to do that. Well, we need the LNP to support Cato. If we don't, we're roasted anyway. There's nothing we're going to be able to do. Yeah, so definitely um, I do like Cato's firearm policies, just his other ones, you know, I'm not so much of a big fan on, but he's definitely, you know, very much a solid force as far as um, being a pro-firearms party in Queensland goes. I think the LNP are going to be running scared of him and One Nation for the next state election, so I think that they're going to be in a bit of grief because they're going to cannibalise a lot of their seats. I think the Labor Party might be in a bit of a for a bit of a rude shock as well, especially some of the more working class areas. One Nation's probably going to resonate with those. What do you think is going to happen with the election? I mean, Palaszczuk's barely holding on, and then she's come out with the as you probably saw the little picture on the on the Queensland Labor Facebook page saying, you know, don't gamble with Queensland safety in regards to gun laws. I mean, this could be this could be. Obviously, she doesn't want to be re-elected, in my opinion. I think she's crazy to put something like that out. Either that or they just don't care. Yeah, like, I'm not really sure what their angle is, especially from, like, just even a political strategy point of view. I don't think, from what I've seen, gun control doesn't really win you any votes in Australia. It loses you votes. That's that's the reality of the situation. Um, but the Labourites seem to have a bit of an ideology that, you know, they have to ban guns, essentially, as much as they can. I wonder what's just, I'm just, I still, I wish I could just find out now, look to the future and find out what the LMP and Tim Nichols are going to do in regards to whether they're right. going to side with Labor. I mean, we know they've got a jelly spine, they probably will roll over. I'm hoping they don't. What do you think is going to happen? Cautiously optimistic, but yeah, I mean, 
you know, it is the LNP and... The it's, it's not more, say, that. It's more, what's the pressure they're going to get from, say, federal counterparts, state counterparts, mm. and we're going, well, you're the only party now stopping this from actually occurring. Yeah. Pull think, your head in I and... I do think federal's going to try put some pressure on them. I'm not sure how that's going to work, though, because they can be obstinate as well. And they are politicians. Yeah, I know. Sometimes they do the funniest things. Sometimes the things you don't expect them to do, they do. And other times they do what you expect them to do, which is most of the time nothing. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you know? they like doing nothing. That's something the Palisade government's been good for. I know, exactly. Interesting. Mate, what about, what would you like to see change uh, in this country in regards to well, gun laws? What's your, what's your ultimate idea um, and philosophy on gun laws in this country? Probably a reasonably similar system to what is used in the Czech Republic would be fairly good. That's my personal point of view. Firearm Owners United have their own policy. Um, and if you're interested in that, I'd suggest you look it up. So I'm not a living embodiment of Firearm Owners United, so you know I have some differences of opinion there. But you know I work within the organisation to further those goals. So mate, going more interestingly about categories, that sort of thing. Um, you know, obviously yeah, categories A, B, C, and D, self-defence. Uh, you know, get, getting rid of the NFA registration. What are your general thoughts on all those things that were instituted in 1996? Yeah. So look, I think the NFA is a bit of a ridiculous piece of legislation and well policy really it's not legislation and the idea that you know the firearm laws that are going to suit Queensland are also the same firearm laws that are going to suit the ACT I don't think that's a realistic prospect that's not a realistic ideology to start with you know we're different states we've got significantly different needs for our do populations you, one question though sorry I didn't mean to interrupt do you do you think States should be different from each other in regards to their gun laws. A bit of competitiveness. I've heard David Lineholm say this on a number of occasions about state competitiveness in regards to these types of things. Uh, does that something that sound interesting, or do you think it should be uniform nationwide? Well, look, they're not uniform as they are, and I think state state competitiveness is a good thing. I, I do believe in the um, competitive federalism model. I think that um, seeing a bit more of that would be a positive move. As far as specific categories go, so far I'm as United Policy is basically everything except semi-auto centrifies to category A and semi-auto centrifies to category B with basically the conditions attached to people's licenses kept the same um, and handguns I think are still off on their own in category H. Um, we'd also like to see handguns legalised for use on private property. You know, it seems nonsensical to me that I can take my 44 Magnum Rossi Circuit Judge and I can pump six rounds into a target on my on my private rock of land. If I go and take my um, Taurus Raging Bull and do the exact same thing with it, same firearm, same calibre, same... Well, not same firearm, same calibre, same, you know, type of firearm, that'd be a criminal offence because it's um, category H and it would be a breach of my licensing conditions to do so. So you support, obviously, use of uh, handguns for you know, law-abiding firearms owners on private land? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, if you, know, you have a handgun, like, why can't you shoot it in a safe manner on a rural property? Like, what's so different about shooting a handgun on a private property compared to a rifle? It's, it's the exact same principles. What about the shooters out there, which it can be disappointing, and you know, I see a lot of this stuff on Facebook, probably as you do too, you know, that... Law-abiding firearms owners shouldn't be able to use handguns, say, on private property. Or, you know, if you're shooting more than, you know, one to two rounds per minute or you're shooting off the hip or whatever it may be in particular, they're getting upset about it and saying, well, this is going to be like the, the Niwa video and we're going to have our guns banned. I mean, where did this... You know, it really saddens me to see some of this stuff on Facebook that we've been that beaten down by the government. We're now upset with other shooters because you know, someone might shoot... You know, 10 rounds in quick succession. I mean, this is, I don't know, because this happens in New South Wales quite a fair bit, and people frown upon 
people enjoying their firearms. I mean, this is shooters, not just the, not just people outside the shooting community, like Greens and those types of things, but other shooters, like condemning other shooters for having fun. Yeah, so, you know, I you know shoot my firearms on my private rural property, um, obviously only my rifles and shotguns. Um, and yeah, you know what? I'll do things that are, are fun. You know, I will load up 10 rounds of my 7.6.15 and, you know, shoot them off fairly quickly. I don't see how that sends such a terrible image and it's some you know part of reaching the broader public and converting new people i think is important to show that we're not just sitting there shooting paper at 200 meters because for most people that's boring as hell now i might enjoy that but i know a lot of people my age don't you know the younger shooters especially they want to be you know doing things which are fun and things that you can do in private property why is it frowned upon those? If people on Facebook, you know, they, they enjoy their firearms, they might want to post stuff. I mean, I've done it before. I've, you know, like shooting, you know, I've been overseas. I've, you know, shot in other countries, obviously America. I've been to the, you know, ones where you go and select one of the packs in like Las Vegas and that type of stuff as well. And it's just fun. Like, it's just fun and exciting. And no one over there looks and frowns upon someone saying, oh, you know, you're shooting too quick or the other greens are going to take this gun's office and we need to stop doing that. We need to duck down and basically get in the shadows. And I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. Like I, I think it's a ridiculous viewpoint, and it's I think that's a strategy that has been tried, and it completely fails. Like it doesn't work. No, it was video. I saw that when that came out. That was not a controversial video. They was they didn't even shoot the gun quickly. You know, they shot it at a fairly sort of slow, re- medium pace, I'd say, and they were just trying to show how reliable it is that the Adlers just work reliably, unlike the 1887s. Do you think? And I mean, honest opinions. Do you think their video caused a lot of this controversy? No, I, I don't think the video caused the controversy. I think the media hype about the fact that, you know, 7,000 of these are being sold and then Tony Abbott getting in on it and saying he was going to ban them really caused If Tony Abbott had just come out and just said, oh, yeah, well, look, they're, you know, they're category A, that's how they are classified under the NFA and that's just where we're going to leave them, then it would never have gained the momentum and traction that it has to this point if the import ban hadn't initially been placed on them. Yeah, man, it's interesting. How do you think Queenslanders can do in the future by, you know, do you think people should be writing to their local members, making meetings with their local members? I mean, what is not just yourself, but Firearms Owners United, who you do some work for as well? Like, what do you think we should be doing in Queensland? Well, we're, you know, we're going to be contacting the police minister in the new year once everyone's sort of back and getting into the swing of things. Everyone should be contacting their local members. Like, the Labor local members are probably not really the priority here because you're probably fairly unlikely to swing any of them. But we really need to be shoring up the LMP side to get them to vote for a disallowance motion. That's what we need to be concentrating our efforts on. What do you reckon the chances are, do you think? What do you think? I mean, honestly, say out of 10, what would you say the chances oh, of the LMP? Man, it's a, it's a, I want a crystal ball for this one, but <laughs> like 50-50, like, yeah. do they have a spine or not? You never know. Oh, I get so disappointed. Like, I'm just, for, probably for the better part of 15 years, I haven't voted for a major party for the better part of 15 years. So, and I just, I can't, I mean, you know, I'd love one party. I mean, if see, I'm not big on any particular, you know, party as such, I'm interested in the cause, you know. So if, let's say if One Nation or if LNP came out tomorrow and said, we're abolishing the NFA, I mean, I'd be stoked. You know, I'd be stoked. For them, I'd be stoked for not sure whether, you know, 20 years of treachery can go, you know, you know, un- unchanged. You know what I mean? Isn't it? I should start vote foring them again. But I don't care if it's CAD. I don't care if it's LDP. I don't care if it's Shooters and Fishers. I don't really care who the, who the, the figureheads are. All I want to see is these guys are actively out there 
trying to you know change our cause and trying to get you know our rights back i mean obviously one of the pump we know that with things like the adler but you know we need to start seeing some action 20 years we've had and we're not seeing much action we need to start seeing you know some hard negotiations with the government yeah i mean that's definitely something we i think we'd all be liking to see is is more action from our elected representatives um yeah, I'm not really sure what to say <laughs> with that, man. <laughs> no, that's all right, man. Any any final, I guess you might say, words of wisdom or anything you'd like to mention yeah, to like, my fabulous uh, listeners? It is really crucial that as many people get involved with this stuff as possible. Like, we're only going to get a victory by, you know, a lot of hard work. Anything, any wins we get, we're going to have to really fight for. But there, we can win. That's the thing. I think the reality of the firearm situation in this country, I'm probably preaching the convert here, but the facts are on our side and we've just got to convince and show the rest of the country that we are actually right, you know, despite the amount of, you know, diatribe and absolute nonsense you hear coming out of the anti-gunners in this country, the actual facts of the situation, the fact that, you know, semi-automatic firearms don't represent a risk to the community, that... The 1996 laws were a waste of money that achieved literally nothing of value. Um, you know, it's all there. The evidence is there. It's just getting over the emotional hysteria and convincing people to actually look into the issues and, you know, realise that, yeah, we're right. Yep. And what do you think? People should be writing letters, meeting with their local politicians, meeting yep. with members of parliament, yep, smashing should, those letters in? Yep. You definitely, um, especially Queensland guys, you want to be hitting your local members up and smashing them hard. You want to be calling them, sending them sending them letters, like written letters and emails. If Like, send them emails as well. Like, send them a letter and an email because, you know, you'll type the letter up on your computer. So send them both. You know, waste their time a little bit more. That's sort of what's important here as well. It's making sure they realise that you're going to campaign against them at the next election. Yeah, exactly. I always tell them, listen, you just, you just tell them that basically that you don't need to vote for them. You know, you don't, you know, I tell them I vote for them. I tell them I vote for the LNP. But I don't really, you know what I mean? But I make yeah. them think my family, I don't ever have a family, but I make them think I do. Uh, I mean, it might be a little bit dishonest, but I mean, the fact is they've got to believe that you are going to vote against them. You know, take your friends down. You know, take, if you take five of your friends down to a local members meeting, they'll ask you how many people are going to be there. That's serious to them. That's what I've heard from local members. They get one people that actually spends time to come and talk to them. That's a big thing for them as far as I've been hearing from you know, people that I speak to. It's, it's a big thing. If people just call, yeah, okay, they take it a bit seriously. But if people actually come in, they know it's, it might be indicative of the rest of the gr- part of the community that there is more uprest if people actually come in and speak to them because they're that annoyed about the situation. Yeah, definitely. The, essentially, the more effort that it requires you to go to to show your member that you're pissed off is they're going to realise that you know, there's going to be a lot more people who, who frankly can't be bothered, but they're going to vote the same way come the election because they're going to get to, they're going to get to the vote and they're going to go you know what you screwed me on the Adler thing I'm going to put One Nation I'm going to put LDP or SFFP ahead of you Mate I think it's going to change man what's your prediction for the election for say One Nation they're already predicting big numbers for One Nation Yeah I'd like to see you know KAP SFFP or LDP all over the One Nation seats um, I'd like to see them win but I think realistically One Nation is probably going to be the one that takes up you know a lot of the gains that are going to be made in the next state election interesting man well we're here at the uh, mon como in redcliffe and uh it's packed up right now there's a lot of people around staring at me and kirk with our microphones jammed in our face here sitting at the 
what is it, one of the little umbrellas here outside near the major roundabout. So, guys, if you've heard some background noise, <laughs> a few crying babies behind us, we're sorry, but uh, might add to the bit of the ambient noise. Kirk, mate, thank you for joining me here on the Australian Hunting Podcast in my little Queensland visit, and uh, thanks for meeting me here and coming on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to meet you, and thanks for having me. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.